There are pictures and images that in some senses are, are way more powerful than words. I mean, words become powerful because we use them usually to create uh, a picture. There was for those people who would come to worship in the temple a picture, a visual aid that reminded them every single time they came to worship and pray a truth that was literally overwhelming. Uh, I'm talking about the curtain. You imagine that at the center of the temple, at the center of their worship, there was in front of them a curtain. And the curtain was in front of a small room called the Holy of Holies. It was the place that they understood where God lived. Now they knew that God was the creator of heaven and earth. They, they knew that a little room couldn't contain him, that you couldn't box him in, that you couldn't lock him away. But, but yet as a visual aid, as a way of understanding where God was and how they might approach him, God said, imagine this is my house, this is where I live. But then awfully, tragically, there was in front of this space a massive curtain. This curtain was 20 meters high. 20 meters high, 10 meters wide, 8 centimeters, about the width of a man's hand, proper size man, not a small size man, a proper size man's hand. It was so heavy... It took 300 priests to carry it. So this massive, gigantic... In fact, just to give you a little bit of perspective, this is the Angel of the North, which is 20 metres high, and that's a person at the bottom there. So you get some kind of perspective as they came to worship. What was in front of them? No stained glass window, no altar, no candles, no, no, just this curtain that stood there towering over them right in front of their prayers, right in front of their worship. And the curtain was the truth that they were separated from God. It's awful, really, isn't it? That you would come to that place of worship and what you would most be aware of as you prayed and as you worshipped was that there was this gigantic separation between you and God, that you were outside of his presence, that you couldn't get in. They would allow one high priest once a year to go in and they would tie a rope to his ankle, lest something go wrong and they pull him out because you could not go into the presence of the living God. They were acutely aware that there was this break, this separation from God himself. And when relationships fall apart, when there's break, when there's disunity, when there's discord, the, the, the angst around that is awful, isn't it? And as we look around our world today, it, the, the, you, we can feel the tension, if you like, in the air. Do you know if people have had an argument and you walk into the room, can you feel it? 
It's like something that you can't quite put your finger on, but you, you sense it's not right. We live in a world where at every turn we sense it's not right because we live in the aftermath of this massive break in relationship with the living God, the one we were made for, the one we were designed to be in his presence. And as they come, there is this gigantic curtain that says you cannot get in. And you can cut the atmosphere with a knife. And then you read just that little verse. It's only mentioned once. Little verse of monumental significance. What's the verse? It's not a rhetorical question. What happened to the curtain? At that moment, the curtain of the temple. I I love the detail from the top. Even I couldn't reach the top of the curtain at 20 meters high. No, No human being could rip that curtain from the top to the bottom. Monumentally, miraculously, astoundingly, the curtain in the temple gets ripped and falls lifeless to the floor. I want you to imagine for a moment what might be on that curtain in your experience. If that curtain was labelled with all the things that separate you from God, that keep you outside God's presence, think for a moment in your mind's eye, little yellow post-it notes, what's written on some of those post-it notes this morning? What describes that monumentally massive curtain that keeps you outside God's presence in such a way that there's absolutely nothing you could ever possibly do about it? What is on your curtain? What is on that which keeps you out of God's presence? Can you see them? To be honest, you can choose in these moments just to disengage. The talk will resume. But can you see them? Can you see the things that that describe your curtain? I want to ask you this question. Do you believe today that the death of Jesus tore that curtain from top? To bottom. Eloi, Eloi, Lamech, Sabachthani, my God, my God. Why am I outside your presence? He stepped outside God's presence. That we might step in. Allow the Spirit to show you your curtain tumbling down. And what does it mean? It means that we're welcome. It means that his arms are open wide. Right in to the throne room of God Almighty. Right into the heart 
of where God has explained to his people he dwells. If you like, right into heaven itself. Why, why can Paul say we're seated in the heavenly realms? Because we're, we're welcomed already right into that place. Majesty, your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed, but alive in your hands. I'm inviting you to use this song. You can stand, sit, kneel, lie down, wander about. Use this song to say in the name of Jesus, I see that curtain, my curtain, that which separates me from you, torn from top to bottom, and I'm stepping into your presence today. And then the picture that we're left with changes. Changes for a a curtain that got torn and is lying lifeless, useless on the floor, no longer able to guard us, to keep us out of God's presence. Then we get that other picture that's left, the picture not now of the curtain, but of the stone. When Jesus died, it seemed so final. When anyone dies, it seems so final. Life in those moments, surrounded by death, seems so Futile, so empty, so fleeting, so passing. And for very practical reasons, they would dig out of the rock in the hillside where they would bury their dead. They would place grooves in front of the caves that they dug out. And they would roll a boulder down into the grooves. And as the boulder that they managed to push with the help of gravity would sink into its slot, there was the finality of which they all understood death to be. And then we read these cheeky, almost cocky, if you like, words. An angel of the Lord came down rolled back the stone and sat on it. Have you ever noticed that he sat on it? And and you know, like a kid who's conquered something, sits on it and waves their legs back and forth, like easy peasy, how hard was that? As a demonstration of what he or she has achieved. The angel sits on the stone, easy peasy, even death, itself, not an issue, not a problem, not an obstacle that cannot be overcome. I want you to capture the the kind of smile of God in this moment, who would have the angel sitting on a stone, rocking his legs back and forth, as if that's no problem. I remember my first car was a Morris Minor. Who remembers Morris Miners? Who had a Morris Minor? Who's got no idea what we're talking about? Yeah, grow up. Uh, 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 And that was our first car. And um, 
Uh, and it, it broke down while I was at work in the office one day. Uh, I don't know, perhaps I'd left it there for a couple of days, so I've no idea. Anyway, there was a guy um, who worked with us who was uh, a bit of a, a whiz with cars. Maybe he'd had a colourful past, if you know what I mean. Uh, and I went out for lunch, leaving the car that could not be started by the side of the road. When I got back from lunch, the car, my car, was still locked. My keys were still in my pocket, as they had been whilst I'd gone out for lunch in my trouser pocket, but the engine was now running. <laughs> and, and, and this chap sat at his desk with a smile on his face, easy peasy, a bit like the angel swinging his legs on the stone. Hey, what overwhelms you today? What seems too hard for you today? What seems in your world so final? There's nothing that stands in the way. 